shows us Jesus as a man. So in the book of Luke, we can see what our life should look like. But I want to just take you through and show you. So we say things flippantly like Jesus said in John 5, I say only what I hear the Father say. I do only what I see the Father do. But we say that and we think of Jesus as God instead of Jesus as a man like we do. And what he's trying to relate to us is he got off alone with God. And God showed him things. God spoke to him things. And that's where he lived his life from. Mm -hmm. And we're called to live our life that same way. So I just want to show you that that's in the Bible. And show you what came out of those times with God. I'm also going to point out some things. I think sometimes, okay, I want to say this. I believe that praying a long time is a good thing. I believe that praying a short time is a good thing. Mm -hmm. I believe that the best thing is praying exactly what God's heart is having me do. Yes. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. But the reason why I'm saying that was there are people over here in this ditch who are like, you have to pray hours. You have to just tarry at the altar. You have to just, you know, do all this, everything. And there's a measure of truth to that. There's a measure of truth to the fact that when you pray longer, I can tell you for sure in corporate prayer, if I can get people to stick with me for 15 to 20 minutes, the manifest presence will come at the 20-minute mark. I don't know why that is, but I've done it for a long time. And I'll just tell you, at the 20-minute mark, people have finally gotten out of their head and into their heart. And now we're not going from here. We're going from here. And now we're moving. Are you with me? Um... But that's not a magic number. You do what the Holy Spirit says. But I, I, as we're going through here, I'm going to point out there are times where Jesus prayed from 3 to 6, where it says he prayed that watch. Then there are times where it doesn't give us any idea how long he prayed. But there are other times where it says he prayed all night. And I just want to say that because that is true in God life. There have been seasons of my life where God has told me, set aside an hour a day to pray. And then there's been seasons where God said, don't do that. That's a religious thing. Now for you, let it go. Don't spend more than 10 minutes. Just stick with me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Don't get in a rut. God is a living, expanding being. And you should be constantly as well. Are you with me? So here we go. Y'all ready? Yes. We're going to start in Luke chapter 3. And the reason why is because Luke tells us the history of Jesus as a man, so it goes through his birth. And he didn't start interacting with God until he was a grown-up in the way that we're following him. Okay, let's look at Luke 3, 22. It says, And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice from heaven came, saying, You are my son, my beloved, and you, I'm well pleased and find delight. Jesus himself, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years old, being a son, uh, as was supposed of Joseph. Okay, so we see right here that the Holy Spirit came down on him. Now let's look in chapter 4, verse 1. So then Jesus, full love and controlled by the Holy Spirit, returned to Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Everybody said led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit. Spirit. <clears throat> Forty days in the wilderness, he was tempted 
by the devil. He ate nothing during these days, and when it came time to complete, he was hungry. So I want you to see the very first thing he gets filled with the Holy Spirit, and the very first thing God does is God takes him into the wilderness, separates him. And this reminds me of the story of Joshua, you know, in the book of Joshua. <laughs> in Agai, it says this. It says, God strengthened his people until he saw they were stronger than their enemies. Then it says, then God strengthened their enemies to come after them. Why? Because God knew they would be victorious. It's like when you see your child riding on training wheels, and you can see that the training wheels aren't touching the ground, and they're ready. And if you'll just take those wheels off, they'll be a bike rider. But the only person who doesn't know is that rider, that they can do it. Many times that's true in our life with God. So the very first thing the Holy Spirit did was send him out in the wilderness. Let's read Luke 4, 1 through 14. Ryan, will you read that for me? Luke 1 through 14. 1, okay. The 4, 1 through 14. 4, 1 through 14, sorry. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Am I in the right spot? Yes, mm -hmm. right spot. Being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on the high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in the moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. So I want you to see a couple of things here. One thing in verse 1, it says that Jesus was full of and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Then at the end of this cycle of temptation, it says that Jesus went back full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, he went empowered. Yes. He was full and controlled, but he left empowered. Yes. That when you take that step of using what the Holy Spirit is imparting to you to overcome the enemy, mm -hmm. you cross over from being full and controlled into a power. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. Okay. Look at uh, verse 42. Let's drop down to verse 42. No, verse 18. I want you to see that after this filling of the Holy Spirit in verse 18 through 22, Jesus has utterance and revelation of who he is. So he got alone with the Lord and he came out with revelation. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor, he has sent me to announce and release captives 
recovering sight to the blind, to send forth as delivered those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, when salvation and free favors of God profusely abound. Then he rolled up the book and said, Today the scriptures fulfilled. So we see that out of that fellowship came the ability to know who he was and see it in the word of God. Look at verse 42, 442. It says, And when daybreak came, he left Peter's house and went into an isolated desert place, and the people looked for him until they came to him and tried to prevent him from leaving. So I want you to see it was the habit, the Bible says later, it was his habit to go to an isolated place to meet with God. So I want you to see, we're going to call this the tank-up place. He went alone to tank-up. And then I want you to see in verse 44, he continued preaching with revelation. He continued to preach. Uh, verse uh, Chapter 5, verse 16, let's look at that. It says, but he himself withdrew to the wilderness desert and prayed. So that here's another tank app right here. Verse chapter five, verse sixteen. Let's look at verse seventeen. Um, as soon as he comes out of this tank at place, it says at the end of verse seventeen, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. So healing came out of that. Um, I want you to drop down to verse 22. It says, And Jesus, knowing their thoughts and questionings, answered them. Without them saying a word, he knew what was going on. If this is an action of the Holy Spirit, you can't have this. This is a word of wisdom. You can't have this without the flow of the Holy Spirit. So this came from his tank up. Are you with me? Okay, let's look at chapter 6. <clears throat> Verse 12, it says, Now in those days it occurred that he went into the mountain to pray and spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he summoned his disciples and selected them, who he knew by name. So I want you to see something here. You know, I saw this years ago when I did a ministry called Titus 2. And um, the Lord showed me that you recognize leaders in the place of prayer. That when you go and you pray, God shows you who your leaders are. And every leader that I had came that way. I would go and pray and I would be in a service and the woman I saw in the place of prayer was standing across from me in the sanctuary. And after the service was over, I would go over and introduce myself and say, hey, can you do lunch? Not knowing them, but knowing that I had seen them. I, I believe that's how Jesus chose his disciples. Because it says he went and he called them by name. He had never met them. He called them by name. How could you know the Holy Spirit revealed it to you? Are you all still with me? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, verse 13. So leaders were revealed. Let's drop down to verse 19. Uh, the multitudes were seeking to touch him. A power was going out from him and curing all manner of diseases. So he was filled with power from those times of prayer. Filled with power, let's look at, uh, drop down to 6, verse 20. Um, his eyes he blessed with favor and set apart his disciples. Uh, he This right here, when we look at 20 through 49, it's the Beatitudes. It's the message we know is the Beatitudes. 
It's the attitude you have to be to walk in God. And if that came out, that revelation came out of that place of prayer. You know, it's one thing to see something in the Bible. It's another thing when God breathes on something in the Bible. And that comes for relationship. And, yeah, okay. So, <clears throat> chapter 7, let's go to chapter 7. Oh, right. 49. 49. True. Yeah, 649, I want to say this, but he who really hears and does not practice doing my words is like a man who built his house without a foundation against which the torrent burst and immediately it collapsed and fell. And the breaking of the house, uh, ruin of that house was great. So Jesus is saying, build your house, build your existence on what he says. And a lot of that comes out from... Um, Remember we talked a few weeks ago about how presence really equals voice. And a lot of times God will highlight a scripture, but we don't comprehend what God is saying. One of the ways you can comprehend is just by lifting scripture and praying in other tongues. And God will actually open the eyes of your understanding. You know, Paul prayed that in Ephesians. He said that he would pray that the eyes of his understanding would be flooded with light, that he would know experientially for himself the height, the length, the depth, the breadth of God, his glorious inheritance in the saints. So there's a way to pray to be enlightened. Um, let's look at the next way. Chapter 7, verse 1. I think sometimes we just flip past these things. He knew exactly where to go. How many times in your life have you wondered what the next step is? None. But he knew exactly where to go. Mm -hmm. Just think about that for a minute. It came out of the place of prayer. 7-11. Again, he knew where to go. He went to a different city. He knew exactly where to go. Verse 14. He went forward and touched. Uh, he, he raised this person from the dead. He knew exactly where to go to be positioned for this next act that came up in his heart. And he raised the dead. I will tell you, Josh and I have seen three people raised from the dead. And all three people, it wasn't, we never just decided one day, hey, dude, let's go raise the dead. We had just been praying. We had seen that in the Bible. And we had been praying, Lord, we believe this. We believe this of you. We believe this of you. And the first time we saw someone raised from the dead, I was at home in the kitchen cooking dinner. I was making, uh, I had meat cooking in, I was making mashed potatoes. And back then, we didn't watch natural TV. All we did was God. We didn't do TV at all. And so I'm standing in the kitchen and the Holy Spirit says to me, go turn on the news, which I know is the Holy Spirit because we don't do that. We don't do natural TV. So I turn on the news and I'm whipping the potatoes. And when I turn on the news, it's talking about this car accident, this person that was hit in this car accident. And I immediately know by the Holy Ghost, Josh is working on this person. And the anointing of God just comes on me. I'm whipping potatoes. I've got kids screaming, playing with cars. 
not a super huge spiritual moment. And I'm praying in tongues. And I'm just praying in tongues. And all of a sudden, I'm praying in tongues and I say, Josh, you command life in them in the name of Jesus. You And I start declaring a bunch of stuff that came out in my heart. And then it was like, whipping potatoes. Turn the TV off, keep going, whipping potatoes. Later that night when Josh came home, we're sitting together and he's talking. He said, I have the most unusual thing happen today. He said, this woman came in, she was dead. And he said, we had called it, we declared her dead. He said, I was walking out to write the death certificate up the, up the counter. And he said, it's like I heard shouting in my heart to go back and declare. And he started saying the stuff that I said in the kitchen. And he walked back in and he declared it over her. And the woman coughed and she'd been down 20 minutes. She coughed, woke up and looked at him. And he leaned over and said, Jesus has healed you. Just if anybody asks you anything, you said, Jesus has healed me. <laughs> and that woman was out at the hospital in a few days, which is miraculous. She had no brain damage from being down. We found out later that her daughter had been praying for her to be saved for years. Mm. Okay, my point is these kinds of things don't come because we decide to do them. These kinds of things come because we decide to be his. And when you decide to be his, out of your his life come unction. And unction causes you to be, are you with me? But it was not like, I have friends, I've been a part of a group where somebody went with the intention to raise someone from the dead. And it did not work. Yet we've seen three people raised from the dead. And every time is a story just like I told you. We weren't looking for it. We weren't asking for it. We were just doing our God life and he used us. That's what Jesus was doing. Are you with me? Y'all need to say you still like hearing phrases. That's why God says don't be rude by their faces. <laughs> can, can I yes. comment or maybe say something? Yes. So you're hearing, but you're also living it. You're doing, like they just said in the previous yeah. session, like selection whatever it was, chapter six. It said, don't just hear, but do. Yes. So you're hearing and you're doing, like you're hearing and you're doing it. Yeah. Like turn the TV on, yeah. right. doing it. So right. you live in that, you live in the his. Yes. But you're trusting him and you, you're here with him and he's in you and you're hearing and, and then you're, you're moving. You're not, um, you're not, saying, oh, oh, you know, that's not God, or that's right. not, you are in that relationship in such a way that you know, you know. it's him and you're do you're yeah. living that is all. And I, and I, I think it's the relationship first. I get that. And you're hearing, but you're also, doing. I mean, he said, like, if you don't do, and if you don't hear and do, you're like the person who built his house and everything. Right. And it just, just falls apart. So you're living such a miraculous life because you're doing them together and your in your house isn't 
and like the person who builds her house, that the rest of that scripture. That's so why I love in that James it says that this natural reasoning is earthly, sensual, and devilish. Because when I reason, I could have reasoned that that was just my soul. I don't watch TV. I could, yeah, I could have reasoned. But here's the deal. When we were young, we were incredible zealots, I will say that. And I was extreme, very extreme. Much more than you could possibly imagine. Um, and in that season, we had given God our yes in fact, we both made this commitment. God, as long as our heart knows it's you, we will do anything. We will go anywhere. We will say anything. You just have to let our heart know it's you. And we, he has called us up on that one on a regular basis, still to this day. Still to this day, just recently, I was at the grocery store and God told me to go speak to somebody and it was Horribly. It never gets not uncomfortable. It never gets not Preach. hard. It never gets not where you don't have to deal with self-awareness. But now I at least have a history to know he's utterly faithful. And I can trust him with people. And that if he is at The thing that always hits me, and this is the truth. The thing that always hits me when God uses me in this way is I know how selfish I am. And I am so overwhelmed at how much God loves people that he would apprehend such a selfish person to do something to love on someone else just brings it back to me how much he loves me, that he would let me be a part. Jeannie used to say it this way. It's like God goes, come here, little earth creature. I want to use you today. <laughs> you know, it's, you kind of feel that way. Anyway, all right. Can I add something to that? Yes, it makes me think so much of the lesson you brought. Do you remember about leadership? And now you're like, why do we have so many uh, mm. classes in the church about leadership? And I'm sitting here just astounded because what you're doing is you're submitting, right? That's what your life is. It's a submitted lifestyle because of the relationship, yes, but it's submitted completely. So it's really, why don't we have classes on submission? That's my question. Right. Mm -hmm. I think you brought that up. So there's totally the wrong friend there. I like surrender. Surrender. Yeah. <laughs> submission. <laughs> to me, it's the not, not because I think it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. But our society has a bad connotation with one and not the other. Yeah. Well, I don't know how much he loves. Yes. So to me, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yes. But to others, it might look like master slaying, but not to me. Yeah. And you said that too. Yes. You said that too. Yes. All right. Where were we? Meanwhile, back seven. in chapter seven. So the dead was raised. I just want to take away the etherealness of that. And I also want to take away that I believe the dead were called to see the dead raised because Jesus said we were. But I also want to point out that even in Jesus' ministry, there were only three people raised from the dead. Mm -hmm. And each one progressively got more. And I believe that's how it is in God. You progressively do more because he's training you. And I believe with Jesus it was progressive because he was going to have to raise from the dead. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. So the first person, they, were, they had just died. The second person, they had been dead two days. And then the third one was him. And three days were out. 
So it was progressive. Do you see what I'm saying? I believe the same thing is true when God's using us in healing, when he's using us in words of wisdom, when he's using us. You will progressively grow in your ability. You don't start out knowing people's thoughts. But the Bible says the spiritual man discerns all yet himself is not discerned by any. So you progressively grow. And you just were called the progressive regret. Okay, meanwhile, back to the teaching. The 714 and 15, 729. Let's look at 729. That says, And all the people who heard, even the tax collectors, acknowledged the justice of God, calling them to repentance, being baptized in the baptism of John. You know, only God can bring people to repentance, so is the anointing lines that drew people in class repentance. Chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 1. Soon afterwards, Jesus went through the towns and villages, preaching and bringing the good news of the kingdom. And the twelve were with him. There was Holy Ghost zeal. You can only do this kind of stuff with the Holy Ghost. I think, I love Jesse Planis says, you can't even... Lead someone to the Lord, because if you do, it's like this. Hello, don't you want Jesus to come into your life and be just like me? Nobody wants that. But when you come in and you tell them everything they've ever done, they feel the love of God. They feel the reality of God. It's different. than We were never called to confront people with the gospel. We were called to confront people with the love of God. Amen. And the love of God draws them. The love of God pulls them in. Do you understand me, Kim? It's a whole other ball game. 18. 818. So look, here he's empowered. Be careful, therefore, that you listen to him who has spirit or more be given. From him who does not have spiritual knowledge, even what he thinks and guesses and supposes that he has will be taken away. I want you to see he's teaching from the Holy Spirit a truth. What you do with what you have, you'll get more. It's what I just said a minute ago. It's when the Holy Spirit gives you a prompt, if you act on it the next time, you'll have a greater prompt. Do you understand? The next time you'll know more. The next time you'll be more equipped. But if you don't act the next time, It'll diminish mm-hmm. or it'll grow based on your response. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. That was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want you to see that here is a revelation that church's family. It says this, but he answered them, my, that his mom and, and brothers were calling for him. And his response was, these are my mothers and brothers who listen to the word of God and do it. I want you to see that Jesus is releasing a revelation that we're a family. That's why when we heard of Mark and Charlotte's desire to get married but didn't have the money, what do you do with family? You step up and take care of family. That's what happened in, in the book of Acts. They had all things in common. They took care of each other. They sought in each other. That's what family is. Church is not a building where we can and we're all whatever. We're a family. Mm-hmm. Amen. Again. Amen. Amen. Yes. 27. Look at verse 27. Jesus stepped out in the land. There was a certain man out of town 
possessed by a devil for a long time, and Jesus delivered him from this devil. So we see that there's deliverance. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. Deliverance. Um, the you were to go again for the person who needed deliverance. Let's look at so you can go through the whole book of Luke, and we're just going to go to this chapter 9, and then we're going to jump to the end because I want to show you beyond Jesus that this is not just Jesus, okay? Um, Jesus called together the twelve and gave them power and authority over demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them out to announce and preach the kingdom of God and bring healing. And then in verse 10, it says, when the disciples returned to Jesus, um, they reported what they had done, and he took them and withdrew to a private place in Bethsaida. So again, they went up to take up and go. Verse 18, it says that Jesus, again, went privately with his disciples to pray. And then he asked, who do you say that I am? and revealed who he was. Identity comes from the place of prayer. You struggle with identity, what you're calling. I read a scripture in Proverbs the other day that said, the pursuit of wisdom and the knowing of your purpose are your greatest pursuits in life. Amen. Right here we see fellowship with God produces your identity. You know, who you are and what your purpose is. And verse 28 again, now about eight days after these teachings, Jesus took with them Peter, James, and John and went to the mountain to pray. This is the Mount of Transfiguration. They get the revelation. I don't know if you know this, but on the Mount of Transfiguration, do y'all remember who showed up? Moses? Elijah. Elijah, and Jesus was standing in the middle. What are we seeing here? The law and the prophets. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus, the, the voice from heaven says... They disappear. He says, listen here. God was saying the law has been fulfilled with this one and the prophets have been fulfilled with this one. He took three men. What were their names? Peter, James, John. It's rock, which is the the word. James uh, is, is, huh? Now what James is saying? You supposed to embed on for sure. And then, oh, oh yeah, it's the planter. Yeah, it's supplanter. Yeah. So it means that the law is supplanted by grace. 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 Oh, the law is taken over by grace. And the three men standing there on the middle of transfiguration. So we're walking away knowing that the law has been fulfilled now and grace is the new order. And that these two, everything that said has been fulfilled by this one. Amen. That came from the place of prayer. Yes. No. Yes. Just for the seat. So good. It is. I want you to look at verse not at Luke nine thirty seven. It says, Now it occurred the next day that he had come down from the mountain. And there was a great multitude. I want to point this out because this transfiguration, it implies that this experience took all right. And when what you see, also, well, we'll talk about. You know, when he went out with the enemy, um, 
right after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, it said that the enemy took him to Jerusalem. How did they travel there? Then they were in the wilderness by the Spirit, ignored in the Spirit. We know that happened to Enoch, to the Enoch as well. Okay, let's jump over to chapter 11, verse 1. It says, And then he was praying in a certain place, and when he stopped, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. I want to highlight the reality that they saw Jesus raise people from the dead, heal, do miracles, and the only thing they asked him to teach it was prayer. They saw the source of his prayer. They saw, and he taught them to pray. Uh, let's let's jump over now to the end of the book because I just want to show you something and tell you some things that I've learned over the years. Uh, chapter 22, Luke 22. And you would see this throughout the rest of the book of Luke, but for our purposes tonight, we're just going to jump over here. Luke 22, verse 39, I want to show you. It says, He came out and went as was his habit. Everybody said, as was his habit. As, as was his habit. habit. God wants you to have a habit of prayer. Prayer is communication. Without communication, there is no relationship. I don't want you, when I say the word prayer, to see this. Prayer, I can be sitting out here and God can be Lengthening in the clouds. And it just impressed me that I love, that he loves me. Mm-hmm. That's prayer. Mm-hmm. Are you with me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Prayer is not just some, it is any communication with God. A sense of value, a sense of knowing, a sense of revelation. When you're sitting in a service, have you ever been, have y'all ever had this happen? You're sitting in a church service. Hopefully it's happening tonight. And the person is saying something. <laughs> And all of a sudden, you hear something in your heart that is an answer or a revelation or a thought that's not something you would normally have. Mm-hmm. That is a clue for something you're needing in your life. Mm-hmm. That is prayer happening right there. Why? God's communicating to you revelation and changing you into another person. I just love, Amen. I love prayer. I love it. I absolutely love it. I also want to point out that there are sometimes empowerment takes time. It's mm. good. Sometimes empowerment takes time. I believe when Jesus prayed all night, he would never have been able to do the cross without all night. Mm. Because the power to endure, the Bible says in the book of John, came from that prayer. I also want to say this, as you pray, and don't, prayer should never be because you decided. Prayer should be because you love and you're pursuing or you're moved on by the Father. What do you mean by that? So, when I say that, I immediately want to correct myself and say, I decided when I decided to marry Josh that I was going to pursue him in love for the rest of my life. When you decided to be Jesus, you decided to pursue him for the rest of our life. But I don't see that as a duty. I see it as a love pursuit of honor. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Just like I don't see this as a duty. And there are times I do it because it's the right thing to do. But there's not life in it like when I do it because I just love him. Do you understand? Uh There should be that in you. 
And there is a value to just having a habit. There's a, I get up every day, every, every morning of the world. I sit right where you're sitting. He sits right in his chair. We spend time praying. We sometimes don't speak for an hour. Sometimes we speak, oh my goodness, you got me through this. Oh my goodness, you got me through that. And then he leaves and I go back there and pray. But it's a habit. And when we go on our vacay, I'm going to take my Bible and it'll be the habit of our vacay. Do you understand what I'm saying? This so part of my life never leaves my life. So it's like I, brushing your teeth. So I hear you saying it's, it's, it's born out of love, not out of obligation. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I totally agree and love that too. Thank you for, for expanding. In the moment that it comes, it, it moves from to an obligation, the life will leave and it becomes a duty. Yes. Amen. And then you're not really praying. Because divine exchange changes you. Jesus said, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. If you've not had divine exchange, you've not really prayed. You may have had a gripe session, but you've not really prayed. Meeting with God should change you. Hallelujah. Sometimes, though, it takes time. Sometimes it takes time. Uh, we see in prayer that God produced power, direction, miracles, wisdom, discernment, and timely help. In Philippians 3.10, it says that our determined purpose, this is your purpose, you want to know your purpose, everybody's purpose is this purpose. Our determined purpose is that we can know him. And the power outflowing from his word. Let's read it from, somebody look that up. I got it. 3.10. To know him and the power of his rising again. And the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. Shall we keep going? Yeah, I just want, a, there's a whole lot right there. Okay. So we want to know him, but there's a fellowship. What's the fellowship? There's power in the resurrection. So we want to know him that way, but we also want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. So fellowship in his sufferings? Yeah. Is our sufferings? Yeah. What? So one of the greatest sufferings that Jesus went through, you can see him do it throughout the scripture. Um, when he sent the 70 out and uh, they, were, they came back and then all of a sudden they're fighting over who's the greatest. And he makes the statement, how long do I have to be with you? <laughs> we got that on a shirt. Flip a suit Melissa's shirt said the flesh in you is tempting the Jesus in me. <laughs> but there's a reality. There's a, what he is expressing is the love of God is was sustaining him. And people who he's trying to talk here, but their revelation ability to hear is here. Do you understand? Um, so just there's a fellowship of suffering, and there's times where, yeah, how, well, there's also uh, when we're walking through something that is extremely painful, extremely hard, there's an intimacy of fellowship with Jesus that you wouldn't have living were walking through that. Yeah. And that's sharing in his suffering, because he's already walked it on the cross, died, rose again and we get to share in that and you only get to see that side of him when we're walking in those challenging places 
really that's so good. That's yeah, so good. So good. I was wa- watching a teaching by Bill Johnson, and he was talking about, you know, his wife died a year ago in July, and he was sharing his story. And when, what he was talking about was this fellowship of suffering, but in giving the sacrifice of worship. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about when he, they were, his wife had breast cancer, and they stood, they believed, they confessed the word, they did communion every day. Their heart was expectant of a miracle, and they stood their ground and walked, and she died. And Bill said the moment, it's like the moment she died, it's like the Lord said, you get one chance to do this. And he said he just lifted his hands and started saying, I thank you because you're the healer. Yes. You're the restorer, and this changes nothing. You're the one who defeated death. This changes nothing. There's a sacrifice of praise that he and his family can offer in that moment that they'll never be able to do in heaven because there'll be no death in heaven. But it costs them something to say that in that moment. It costs them something. There's a way. There, sometimes there's a cost. Do you understand? Yes. And sometimes the cost is yielding to what the truth is, not, not seeing the truth manifested, when you're in circumstances like that, there's a mystery in that. And you're leading with reliant trust on the mystery of Christ. Mm-hmm. It's like that heart. I was sharing with a friend who was just kind of ranting about something they were going through. And it's okay to do that. I love that David, when David's mighty men got overrun and they were ready to kill him because... The enemy had come in their camp and captured all the women and children. Y'all remember the story? And the Bible says David wept until he couldn't weep anymore. Then he perched himself in the Lord. Sometimes you need to have a good cry. You need to have a good rant. You need to just get all the bradu out. And then you need to encourage yourself in the Lord. And there is just this. But I was talking to this friend who was kind of ranting and everything. And I said, you know... But what I'm hearing missing, and I don't mean to be mean, but what I'm hearing missing out of your mouth is this heart that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. That says the God I serve will deliver me, but even if he chooses not to, even if he doesn't, it's not going to change who he is and what I believe about it. I'm still going to do this thing. Because I know who he is. There should be something in all of our hearts that's like that. And if it's not, you need to do a heart check and dump up. You know? Okay. So I want to show you that this is not just Jesus. That we see this same pattern happening in the book of Acts. Y'all still okay? Mm -hmm. So let's go to Acts. And I just want to show you the same thing. I love the, um, how the book of Acts begins. Because Jesus told them, he appeared to them, and then he told them to go wait in the upper room. And I love that in the beginning of, this, of the book of Acts, it says this. Um, it says, The former account, O Theopolis, I made, dealing with all the things which Jesus began to do and teach. Do y'all know when the book of Acts was written? 
It was after Jesus had ascended. Mm -hmm. Yet this scripture says he began his ministry here. He began to do and teach. How did he begin to do and teach? Through them. It was through them. I love that the book of Acts starts by saying, this is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Wow. Do you see that? Never seen that before. I love that. Um, here's where it says this. While being in their company and eating at the table, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but wait to be endued, uh, for, wait for what the Father had promised, of which you heard me speak. For John baptized you with water, that not many days from now you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So he told them to go wait. I want to point out that you can't be a witness without the Holy Ghost. You do not have the ability to do anything. When the Bible says apart from union with him, you can do nothing, it means nothing. Nothing means nothing. You can't do it without the Holy Spirit. Let's look at verse 15. It says, now those days, so as they're waiting and praying, they're in the upper room waiting and praying. And I want you to see in verse 15, now in those days, Peter arose among them. We have a leader. Remember we saw in the book of Ruth that Jesus went out to pray all night and what did he find? His disciples and he went out and called them by name. So here we have the disciples in the upper room praying and what happens? Peter arises among them as a leader. So we see a leader. Let's look in uh, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, And when the day of Pentecost of Holy Sound, suddenly there came the sound of a rushing violent tempest blast, and it filled the whole house in which they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues resembling fire. They were separated, distribute, which settled on each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other languages as the Spirit kept giving them clear, loud expression. So we see a tank up. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, and then, so they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In verse 17, 14 through 17, Peter preaches with revelation. I, I love this, that he quotes Joel because he says this, this thing, I love this. And I, I love this reality of the Holy Spirit. But Peter standing, in verse 14, it says, Peter standing with the eleven raised his voice and addressed them. Jews, all you residents of Jerusalem, let this be to you that you will know and understand. Listen closely to what I have to say. For these men are not drunk as you imagine. For it's the third hour of the day. But instead, this is what was spoken of through the prophet Bill. Oh, wait, I think this is so interesting. He says, And it will come to pass in the last days, declares the Lord, and I will pour out my spirit upon all mankind. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Yes, on their maidservants and on your maidservants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. They will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the sky above and the earth beneath, blood, fire, Smoking vapors. The sun will turn to dark and the moon to blood before the, the obvious day of the Lord comes, the great and notable and um, conspicuous and renowned day. I want to point out something. He says, this is that, that the prophet Joel, and then he says they're going to prophesy, they're going to see visions, they're going to dream dreams. Did anybody prophesy? Mm -hmm. No. 
They spoke in tongues and they heard in their own language. Did anybody dream a dream? Well, what he's saying is this movement is this movement. The same is true in your life. This movement is this movement. Why am I saying this? Because if you ever want to have an experience with God like I had the day that I was praying for South Lake and began sighing, you have to get out of here and into here. And when you sense it's him, with all of your faith, throw yourself on the entire personality of who he is, trusting that he's a good father, that he gives good gifts to his children, that he won't lead you in a wrong way. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Yes. Because you don't walk in those places when you have it all organized and collated to look just that way. Mm. It doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. We were just, so we were just talking about this the other day. Because right then he says, in the last days. Yes. <clears throat> so in that moment, he's, he's talking about the last days. Like they're in the last days. Well, we're in the last days. Like yeah. it's, it was, it was so much fun to hear. We just talked about this this week. It's like mm-hmm. we are, and they were, and they yes. were, and we are. Yes, yes. Because it's yeah, when the Holy Spirit is poured out. Yeah. The Spirit is poured out. It's 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 here. It's available. We were just talking about that. We read a scripture just this week about how it that tells you to be excited to live with the anticipation. Yeah. It is not wrong to live with anticipation or coming. Amen. It is not wrong to live that way. It is biblical and right. Did you hear that? I don't care whether you believe pre-trib, post-trib, mid-trib, no rapture, rapture. I don't care what you believe. Coming's coming. I'm just telling you right now. No one knows the day or the hour, but he's coming. And it's right to live because any bride would be excited that her bridegroom's coming. Amen. Amen. That's it. And if she's not, it's not real love. That's right. It's not real love. Amen. Right? Yes. Hallelujah. So I want you to see over in verse uh, 41 that this produced some real fruit because we had 3,000 souls coming in in this one day. I believe that's a good church service. (laughs) Three thousand dot warning again. Let's look at uh, let's see what done two forty two. Three one through ten it says now John and they were going up to the temple at the ninth hour of prayer. So they were going to pray and on their way there there was a miracle. So we see a time cap again and they go. Uh, chapter four, let's look at verse eight. Then Peter, who was filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, to the rulers of the people, and they, so you can't get filled with the Holy Spirit without spending praying, getting filled. So we have a tank up, and then we see the movement of the Holy Spirit. Uh, in verse 5, we see again Peter rising up among them. Let's see, let's go to chapter 6. Chapter 6. I love Brother Hagen. I can just hear him saying something. Um, Acts 6, verse 6, it says, Then they presented the apostles, and after prayer they laid hands on them. So God separated people to the ministry through prayer. There's a declaring of prayer. Um, 
Josh and I were talking about this this week. When you know who you are in God, there's a declaring, and you don't have to say, I declare. Because a king doesn't say, I declare. A king just declares, declares because they know. And I, I, I had this happen just a couple of weeks. I think I shared this with you guys. I was sitting in here. The temperature had dropped down to like 12 or whatever. And my fountains back here that I just paid a lot of money to have repaired were all frozen up and I have the pool heater on and I've done all the things on the natural I'm supposed to do to be a good steward of what I have. But I'm sitting here and I'm like, Lord, you brought me into this promised land. I really don't think you want to destroy these things. And it was like the Lord said to me, oh, sweetheart, you have the authority. Walk yourself out there, stand in your backyard, point to the sky and command the sun to break through the clouds and warm your fountains. So I walked out there. I stood in the backyard and I said, in the name of Jesus, I command you, son, to break through the clouds and warm the back wall of my swimming pool to keep this from breaking up because God has told me to be a good steward of what he's given me. And I kid you not, the sun broke through the clouds and we ended up being 62 that day. We have power and authority. We have dominion. But I also want to point out, I didn't just decide I was going to go take the young men. Right. It wasn't an inspired utterance from the king. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. We have dominion. As you I were really, as you were sharing with yes, him and coming yes, in that posture of love yes. and that relationship, like, like there was that inquiring of the Lord that you were doing and you had this dialogue happening and he shared that with you. You're like, oh. And then you went and did it. You know, you know, right. I, this is like the you're... thing. This is also the thing. I believe this is where the church is missing it, where healing is concerned. Mm-hmm. a lot Because we go out and we try to do the things here. Mm-hmm. And God wants us to live from here. Mm. And it's the heart habitation that connects with the voice of God. There's so much more power when God puts something in your heart to do. I won't just go lay hands on... I will... That's not true. I will go lay hands on someone just because the word of God says and gives me authority to do it. But I have much more confidence and faith when God prompts me to act. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it was inspired by him, not me. Jerusalem, mm-hmm. something? Yes. So in Abilene, we have this opportunity to, to join with our church people and go to hospitals and pray. And so in the midst of doing this every Tuesday... Um, there we would go into rooms and I would always be like praying in the spirit before I would open my mouth to talk to the people. And what I loved about this opportunity was two things. Really, the first thing was that it allowed the patient or whoever was in that bed, there were patients, um, to, to know that it was God because he would always give me a picture. And I would be so scared. I would be thinking, a blue Chevy without a top? Here on the beach, what God really? But then the tears would roll on their face and they would be open and then they would share more and then he would share more. And it was just like you were saying, a dialogue would happen. And so I, I don't know, you know, yes, he can go in and quote scriptures. And I had, you know, this lady, she knew all the Bible scriptures by heart and I could remember them. I just didn't know where their addresses were. <laughs> And he would share them with me, or sometimes he'd give me their address and I wouldn't know what it was saying. You know what I mean? Like he still uses them, but it's really about pausing and focusing on him and saying, God, what, what do you want here? 
and and being scared but saying anyway i see you're the blue chevy you're near the beach and then you know find out they love cars and they had to go on this vacation or something yeah you know so it's about touching their heart really mm-hmm. but not to hear him and and be open you know to doing it and and not just you know, because immediately you find out what the diagnosis is and you want to immediately lay hands on them and just pray out that disease or whatever. Mm-hmm. But sometimes mom, it is about the disease, but sometimes he wants to put it about the hearts. God's about yeah. the hearts. Yeah. I've actually had the Lord sent me to pray for someone who was dying of an illness and told me not to pray for healing. Wow. And he quoted the scripture to me, when I was sick, you visited me. If it didn't say when I was sick, you healed me. Wow. And he told me that this person was not at a place where they could receive healing, but they were at a place where they could receive salvation. And God was about their heart. Yeah. So if I would have gone with, with healing, it would have had no. Do you understand? And I am for just obeying the written word of God. I'm not saying I'm not. I'm just saying we're not called to live out of our head of what we know of God. We're called to live by the promptings. But that is what the Word of God tells us. Like, yeah. That what you're saying is the Word yes. of God. Yes. Yeah. And it is the it is the and it's life altering. And you never know, y'all. The first time I ever experienced, Josh and I were kicked down the Baptist church because we prayed for somebody and they got healed, and we got with the nuts and the Holy Spirit praying with other tongues, so we were kicked out, and um, because they didn't want us. We had a lot of influence with the young people, and they didn't want to free in the youth group. We got a good friend like you. Yeah, we have a friend who's going through that right now. We were trying to find a church, you know, that would that would receive us. And where we were at, there were not a lot of churches. And at the time, I had this right here. I had a ganglion cyst. It it was about the size of a pecan on my butt, so you could see it. If we were sitting here, you would have all been able to see it. And it had just come up like bizarre. And we believed in healing. We laid hands on each other all the time. I mean, we believe that's why we got kicked out. We prayed for this man. God revived him and raised him up. But I had this anglian cyst, and we had gotten kicked out of the church. So I'm like, I just love God. Like, you feel rejected. You're kicked out of the church. You feel rejected. You feel all these things. And so some friends of ours invited us to go to this home group. So we went to this home group, and we're sitting in this home group. And on the way there, I had made... I have my little journal, and I'd read a list of 10 questions I had for the Lord to just settle my heart of what had happened. And some of them were like yes-no questions, but some of them had like a, a more than one line answer. Are you with me? And I said, if you're real, like if God, if you're real, and we've like heard you, and this path we're on is like you, I need you to answer these things, right? So I, I put that aside. We go to this group. I'm not excited about being where these people are. To me, it seems awful weird. And that's what I'm, I'm this little Baptist girl. It just seems weird. I've got a little C2C2. I don't even have a full prayer language yet. And we're sitting there. We start worshiping in this group. We're just worshiping. And all of a sudden, I feel this heat on my foot. And I look down, and this pecan-sized cyst is gone. Wow. Now... I am kind of shy with people I don't know. I would be one to come in and go, hey, hey, let Josh Bob be kind of staying back. Not say. But we're like, we're, everybody's worshiping, and I'm like, I do this. Oh, my gosh! Look at it! Oh, my gosh! Like, I can, like, look, right, 
They're like, you're amazing thinking I'm crazy. And I'm starting to start bleeding at my foot. And Josh explains because I can't talk. I'm just overwhelmed. And so the couple that's leading this group, she says, okay. She said, because that's happened, I have the weirdest word for you. And she comes over and she said, it has 10 points. I had a list of 10 questions. She said, yes, no, I'll show you. Like she literally just, and it, that was the word. She literally just answered my questions. And that night I go home to my Baptist mom and I'm like, Josh and I, we're engaged to be married. We're not even married yet. So I got home to my parents' house and I sat down with my wallet and she goes, what was it like? What? It's like Jesus put someone's skin on and he walked in the room to say to And my mom just started crying and we just sat there thanking God together. Our life should be like that to everyone we come in contact. They should pee when we leave like Jesus puts him. Yeah. And he came to see a meek person. Right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Right. Yes. I want to point one other thing out. So I'm going to skip the rest of my outlining. And I just want to point one other thing out. So one of the things I have listed here is when uh, Peter and James are arrested. Peter and James are arrested. James is killed. And Peter is supposed to be killed the next day. The only difference between James and Peter is that persistent, powerful prayer was made. There was no persistent, powerful prayer for James. The church heard about what happened and came together and prayed. And Peter was released from prison by the angel and taken to the house where persistent, powerful prayer. I just want you to see it's the same scenario with James. If persistent, powerful prayer had been made for James, James would be walking with Peter. Are you with me? Mm -hmm. Many times we don't see because we don't ask. Um, This week, there was a a day of prayer Tuesday. Did y'all want to leave that? Watched it. A prayer of repentance. It was one of the best I've ever seen. But the whole time I kept thinking, these are the best prayers of petition I've ever heard pray. I mean, the young, younger people crying People using the word of God the way it was meant to be used in prayer. It was powerful. It was powerful. God's presence was so hard. All right. So let's go to my last page and... We'll, we'll see if we can pull like we're at a good chrism place. Y'all still okay? Yeah. Good. 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 Wow, you still have to go back there. Good. I can never tell what's your face. It's true. Apology. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say this because I believe this is true to the core to who I am. Prayer produces the red map of God and free the life to follow. It takes down the boundary of the written word and your consistency in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We are told to be being continuously ongoing, to be filled as a continuous ongoing thing. It's a never ending flow. Consistency is where the power lies. It's cumulative, it expands, and it grows. It's cumulative, 
God's presence is key to water. Amen. It expands inside you and it grows. And I just... What I want you to see is that Jesus lived this way and he was a man. And he expects you to live the same way. I also want you to take away the reality that prayer should never be duty. Although there should be a habit. Don't you hate it when you're, like those of us still men, don't you hate it when your spouse does something that should be out of love that's duty? It doesn't feel the same way as glad. Agree. The same way. The same is true with God. We should be coming to God not just out of duty, although we should see it as a habit. Spiritual disciplines are important, but it's different in how you approach them. You know what I mean?